we keep on giving you sort of geographical specifics, but you know, it's not like if you go to Burlington, you're going to be free of the smoke. It's all over Ontario, all over Southern Ontario. It's time for White Coat Wednesday. So we're joined by our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman. Good morning, Dr. Mitch. Good morning to you, sir. All right, so let's talk about the smoke, as a matter of fact. Uh, when you say long-term smoke exposure could be associated with uh, dying from a tumor, uh, is that like cigarette smoke, or is that the smoke we're all swimming in right now? It's like cigarette smoke in the sense that it's dangerous for you. It's not like cigarette smoke in what we're really concerned about, and that is what they call PM2.5. These are very, 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 very tiny, tiny uh, particles released by when, when wood burns. And these particles are so small, you think 30 times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. And these things get breathed in to your lungs. Because of their small size, they go deep inside your lungs. And once they're inside there, they get into your bloodstream. And so we know they can cause high blood pressure and all of that. There's a, a study that played with mathematics, uh, looking at a large database that we talked about before, the UK database, over almost 500,000 people, and figured out that the more of this stuff you breathed in for the longer, the more likely you were to die, and the more likely you were to die and have a tumor of some sort. Um, and this fits in with data that we have for, from Fort McMurray, from the World Trade Center, and from other forest fires. You may remember the massive forest fires throughout Southeast Asia years and years ago. So it's dangerous, and so you want to minimize your exposure to it. And if you're forced to go outside and be outside for any period of time, you may want to wear an N95 mask to keep the amount that you're breathing in minimized. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking with a U of T air quality expert, Dr. Jeffrey Siegel, at 720 this morning, so people can learn more there about what you can do to possibly mitigate your exposure to this uh, smoke and particulate matter. Let's move on to recurring dreams, and apparently there's some new research on what they mean. Yeah, basically, the obvious things are the obvious things. You're afraid that you you know you wait you have a dream that you're failing to come to exam or you come undressed to a business meeting or something like that. And these have to deal with the anxiety that we have day to day to day to day. Some dreams are really a sign that you're having a problem, a sleep uh, apnea, for example, where you where you're having trouble breathing and you're snoring during your sleep. Well, you you may actually have dreams of suffocating and things like that. So what they suggest nowadays is if you're having a recurring dream, a dream that happens over and over again, stop and sit down and think what's going through. Um, is it a reaction to stress? Is it a reaction to something happening in your life? Is it an indication of a medical problem like sleep apnea or something like that? And then if... Nope. Oh, did we lose the good doctor? Or is he buffering? No, I think we have lost Dr. Mitch Shulman. Okay, now he's finding out that we had lost Dr. Mitch. Do you want to kick him out and bring him back in or maybe put him on the phone? Okay, because I can't stand that whole uh, rigmarole when somebody drops out and then it's, well, can you hear me uh, now? Okay, what? Who? Are we? Okay. The famous line, can you hear me? No, I can't. No, as a matter of fact. It's so funny because, honestly, because of COVID, um, and various other things in technology, we came up with all these means of being able to land somebody in our studios without being in our studios, but we, it still comes undone sometimes. All right, so it's 6.55 and the good doctor is back, and uh, you were explaining recurring dreams and me being at school naked. 
I hadn't gone that far, but that's an interesting visual image. Um, having said that, the idea is you look at what's causing them. Uh, is there a medical reason? You look at what's going on in your life in terms of stress. You write down the dream. And in writing down the dream, you analyze it, but then you change it so it turns out a way you want it to. And if, if you can, before you go to bed, you think through the dream and say, this is how I want the dream to end. This is how I want it to develop. And all these things actually do work and do help in terms of making it possible for you to deal with the recurring dreams. The key question here, though, the key thing is try and figure out what's causing them and make sure there isn't an underlying medical cause uh, that needs to be looked into, like sleep apnea, which is the perfect example. Okay, so uh, the next advance in cancer treatment could be a vaccine, and it should be noted there are already some vaccines that are used against some forms of cancer, but what are we talking about this time? So people may not realize that when Moderna came up with their mRNA vaccination uh, vaccines against COVID, they had not been working on an antiviral vaccine. They'd actually been working on anti-cancer vaccines. And they're close to coming out with one soon in partnership with Merck Frost, or Merck actually, the American uh, uh, parent company. And basically what they've come up with is a way of teaching the body to recognize the cancer. Because a lot of cancers get away with hurting you because they evade your immune system. And they do this in many ways. Sometimes they block the specific part of your immune system that's supposed to destroy them. Uh, Sometimes they hide. Sometimes they confuse it. So we already have certain therapies available for some cancers where we unblock the uh, immune system. Um, And now we have therapies where you can vaccinate in different ways. One, an mRNA vaccine where you take something that's a marker for that cancer and you wake up the body's immune system so they recognize it and they can attack it. In some cases, they actually take the cancer itself and figure out what's unique about it, personalize it, as it were, and use uh, and create a vaccine to fight it. All these things are coming. All these things are in various experimental stages. Some of them are actually already being used in protocols. The problem may eventually, though, be the cost. And that's something we're going to have to consider as we get closer to the day when they're more available. And one last story today. Uh, What a surprise. Cutting back on social media (laughs) might actually lead to better mental health. But the beauty of this study is how they cut back on the social media. Rather than in, in, uh, forcing, in this case, about 230 students at the University of Iowa, and rather than forcing them to give up an app, what they basically did, they reminded them once a day by, you know, a text or something like that. You know, remember you said you were going to only use your media for about 30 minutes today. And that made a huge difference. In a non uh, threatening, non-controlling manner, they were able to give these kids back a sense of control over their use of social media. And that seemed to be the most important part. Sometimes they went a little bit over, but the fact that they had control and were aware of the amount of social media that they were using not only ended up helping them, but they felt less depressed, less anxious, less unhappy, and had a much more positive outlook on life. So you can limit social media. You can do it in a way that's realistic, and you can have a positive benefit. The other interesting thing out of this study was what were the top three uh, forms of social media now being used by these university students? And it was Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, and TikTok. So Facebook and some of the others have actually fallen down dramatically in terms of being top of mind in that population. TikTok, by the way, being the one that they seem to spend the most time on. Thank you, Dr. Mitch. Good to have you. 
An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dr. Mitch Shulman, our medical correspondent, and uh, very, very flexible today in being able to do multimedia. Started out on Zoom, and we ended up on the phone. Sometimes the old tech is the best tech. Coming up in the next half hour, we're going to talk about um, the latest stats, which are appalling on the number of young people who are ODing, sometimes fatally, on uh, opioids. And we're also going to talk about the quality of air and how you can protect yourself as much as possible against this smoke that is in the air today.